0: Good morning, church. Good morning. Oh, It's wonderful to see everybody. Uh, <clears throat> we saw several folks in small group, quick plug for small groups, just before church. Always welcome to come. We meet at uh, 945. Today we talked, very briefly before I get into this, we talked about a, uh, the notion of a living sacrifice and what sacrifice is. And my wife sitting next to me mentioned, yeah, it's sort of like that song we sing. Um, sometimes it's tough to get up and sing. I'm, I'm not... Uh, of, of the two of us, I'd say she probably expresses her emotions better than I do. That works out great for us as a pair. But there are times when songs like that come up, and they are very, very difficult to sing. The more you think about it, the harder it is to get through it. So if you're ever sitting out there thinking, boy, that seems so fun and easy, just know that sometimes if what you don't want to do is lose your place in the music and not be able to read it because of tears in your eyes or not be able to breathe because you're trying to sob, it's no picnic. But I hope that through that you appreciate our vulnerability as a team, that we aren't experts and we're not preeminent. We're trying our best to do our best, and oftentimes it's going to be as hard for us to get through maybe as it is to watch or listen to. But uh, that last song is a, is a tough one. It's a very, very difficult song to sing because if you sing those words and you mean it, it changes your life forever. That's kind of what we're going to be talking about today in some regards. It'll be in First Peter 2. <clears throat> if you have your Bibles, uh, please follow along. If not, it'll be up on the screen. I have an eye appointment tomorrow, so I'll be reading it off my phone until these glasses get fixed because I can't see that screen in the back very well. <clears throat> uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme, or to governors as sent by him. but continued entrusting self to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in this body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you are straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Pray with me, please. Heavenly Father, help us not to read these words and think of the times we've heard them before. and how wonderful uh, these sentiments might be to us. Lord, help us to read these anew today. Help us not to lean on our own understanding of these passages that maybe we have heard, these verses that maybe we have heard hundreds if not thousands of times. Lord, help us to remember there are people that may be hearing these words today for the first time. Help us to be mindful of a world that has no idea what you have done for them, the immense sacrifice. And help us, Lord, as we study this word and we talk about submission and we talk about interacting with the world in in the best way we know how, which is the way you prescribe in your word, Lord, help us to be able to put ourselves aside and to be contemplative, meditative, prayerful. Help us to take our concerns, take our doubts, our issues with what we read and how we square this up maybe with our lives, Lord, and we bring them to you. And maybe we bring them to one another and we talk about them and understand and hone as iron sharpens iron each other's understanding of your word with your guidance, of course, Lord. Thank you for this time together it's in your son's name, I pray. Amen. So I call this sermon Submission with an exclamation point and a question mark because when it comes to submission, that's usually the reaction that I myself feel in my heart. I'll be perfectly honest. When we sing this song about uh, I tend, I'm prone to wander. I'm prone to leave the Lord I love. That is, if, if there was a, a sad life verse from a song, it'd be that for me. I know the truth, I love Jesus with my whole heart. but man, did you see that squirrel? the story of my life. So when we read this, we read about submitting, in general, what are we talking about? Well, that's right, a sermon about submission. I say there's a few topics more divisive than submission, because there's a very famous verse that usually gets cited at marriage time that relates to a wife submitting to her husband. Some people bristle at that. Some, some guys will all their say, did you hear that? And some women will say, give me something to submit to, right? But it's, we don't really understand what it means or why we're doing it, but we know we're supposed to do it in some manner. What we're talking about today is not the husband and wife relationship per se, outside of marriage being an example of our relationship with Christ, but as we submit to Christ, all of us, man and woman, married or un, this is about submitting to Christ. But how do we really submit to Christ? In this chapter, what we see is you're going to submit to the world around you. Things that are put in place around you, let's submit. It's more divisive, I think, than many many other topics because here in America, a country is founded specifically on a lack of submission. For better or worse, several people a long time ago said, no, we're not going to submit any longer. What you're doing is unjust, and we're going to fix it. And they went to war, and here we are today, in a a nation that enjoys freedom unparalleled in the world because of that lack of submission. This isn't going to be a sermon about the past and what has happened and not what blah, blah, blah. That's really irrelevant. But we come to this topic as a church. I humbly ask that you have an open mind. There's things that I'm sure all of us have heard about submission and the rights and the wrongs, and there are some wrong times to submit. Don't get me wrong. There are times when we say no to submission, but those times are going to be grounded in the Word of God, not in our emotions, not in our personal desire, not in our desire for our community or for our church. They should be grounded in the Word of God. So ask, humbly ask that you have an open mind. So if you have any doubts here, you always, you know, the, the, the writer here, <laughs> be subject for the Lord's sake. This isn't just some random order, not a good idea. This is for God's sake. Be subject for the Lord's sake. Once again, clear to the point. You'll note here that it's not many. Be subject for the Lord's sake to many human institutions or to several human institutions. It's every. That is the word of God. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors sent by him to punish those who do evil and praise those who do good. The examples cited here are both governmental. These examples would have bristled the Jews at that time. If I stood up here and I said, be subject to the Lord's sake for every hu- human institution, whether it be to the president as the commander in chief, or to your various congressmen sent by God to punish those who do evil and praise those who do good, I imagine several people would disagree with that assertion. Sent to punish evil. <laughs> Have you seen our congressman? Oh well, hell, you know, I don't know what he's thinking. This is true. This is as true then as it is now. Governments are people. People Screw stuff up. They make bad decisions. They make errors. They have a hard time admitting when they made errors. So they try to make their errors look like smart, judgmental calls. If you've been alive for any amount of time, you've seen it in your daily life, those folks that you see in your life could easily become officials in the government. This passage is not about submitting to a perfect government that is without sin. This is about submitting to the government that you are subject to. Now, I will stipulate that in America, we have a very unique paradigm that they didn't have here. We get to participate in our government. This was unheard of in the Jewish time. So their government was 100% dictated for them. We have the word dictator because of this. Here's your government. Thank you. Have a nice day. I don't like it. You can die or be quiet. Okay, I guess I'll be quiet. But more than be quiet, I'll submit to it. I'll do the things the government asks of me, even though maybe we're very frustrated with a lack of representation. In America, we have representation. We have congressmen. We can change our government, and we should do so as much as we are able. But once the government has become what it has become, we should submit to it insofar as we can. As bristled as that might make us, do you know the Jews would have felt the same way? Do you know what they've done to us? Do you know how they've treated us? How can we submit to them? The answer, of course, is by the grace of God. Do you know how they treated Jesus? Have you forgotten? I'm telling you to submit to the government he submitted to. He could have immediately seized power and struck all the Romans in 10 miles around him dead. Enough. I'm the son of God. Enough. But he didn't do that. He submitted. They beat him within an inch of his life. He submitted. He submitted himself to the cross. Why? For us. For us. For his glory, but for our salvation. And, and if if we are supposed to, to, to waffle, no, we are gifted with a why. Why do we submit? By doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. There's a saying I've heard my whole life, that you attract more flies with honey than vinegar. Right? The, the point being, if what you're trying to do is impact the world, if you want people to listen to you, the unbelievers to listen to you, to form a relationship with you, to give you the time of day, to think of you as somebody that is maybe just a decent enough person to have a conversation with, be nice. There are people that are involved with the government that think that's their only salvation in this world. If you denigrate it and make it sound like it's a bunch of stupid fools and only an idiot would ever bother with that, you will isolate them from you. It doesn't mean that we have to agree. It doesn't say agree. It says submit. There's something very powerful about this. If you've ever been in a relationship with somebody... And they want to really like to do something, and you see they're very passionate about it, and you say, okay, I don't necessarily want to, but I'll do it. If you've ever been, been married, that makes a huge difference in our marriage because we see, I know that you're suffering a little bit for me. Maybe not huge suffering, not going to compare that to Christ, but sometimes having to sit around in the car at Target is a chore. For example, I'm not making an exact case, but it does happen. It's not always going to be perfect. But that act of submission, that tiny little bit, that little bit can go such a long way. So when we're interacting with the world, we don't want to be like vinegar. We don't want to be repelling; we want to draw them in. We, by doing good, we put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Oh, Christians don't get it. Christians hate the government. Christians hate everybody that's not going to church. I don't see that. We're going to put them to shame. We're going to put them to silence. No, they're not. They're very nice. They're very kind. They came out and helped. I never heard them say a negative word about things. They go through the the motions. If you ask them, they'll tell you the truth, but they're not up in your face. They're not yelling and screaming and carrying on and and, and trying to ruin things that I think are very nice. And fundamentally, we live free because freedom is a gift from God. The Jews were not free. Now, I'll say they were not free because obviously they were under the, the shackles of sin and law. But as a society, even if they were all converted to Christians, they would not have been free either. Not like we think of free. Here in America, we say we're free. Now, I'm not free to do whatever I want. Well, I mean, I am, but there'll be consequences. If I came into a building with a sword and started cutting people in half, I'm free to do that, but then I'll be spending the rest of my life behind bars. I will no longer be free to do anything except mill around in my cell and wonder how I got into this stupid place and what a poor demonstration of freedom that was for me to do. We are quite free compared to the Jews, though. Quite free. Much more free. So free that we start to think that the freedom we enjoy here is the, is the freedom that matters. The freedom that we are talking about here, the freedom that Peter is talking about, is freedom given from God. Which means whether I am on this earth free or enslaved or under a, a hateful regime that's oppressing me and, and doing harm to me, physical violence to me, I am still free because of Christ's work on the cross. That freedom has nothing to do with the government. That freedom is why we are able to submit. This freedom that I'm speaking about benefits the kingdom, not us. We are free, and that's a huge benefit. But the point of that freedom is we are free to be good citizens, great evangelists, truth-tellers in a world filled with lies. How can you submit to a government filled with liars and claim to be a Christian? I can tell you that. I'm told to. I'm free regardless of what the government does. These sorts of concepts sound like, oh, that's old church stuff. This is mind-blowing in today's world how anybody would do that. You can make inroads of people. We should live in our freedom as servants of God. I'm so free, I'm willingly enslaved to Christ. Now, when we talk about our government here, and we see the world around us today, we see those sorts of things, and we think, whoa, 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 I mean, I'm seeing some of that happening around me. People enjoyed their freedom so much, they really want to be enslaved to something again, and they're building more laws and making it tougher to live free. We probably oughtn't be surprised by that. There's clearly something here that says, when we are experiencing freedom, in that is our, 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 our graciousness brings us as a servant to God. If somebody's replaced God with government, we would expect the same thing. You've given me freedom, thus I will serve you. Our goal as Christians is to participate in the world around us, submit to the law around us, whether we uh, like it or not, and through that show that God's freedom transcends all of this. I can live free no matter what the world has put upon me. And practically speaking, I just love these sorts of... (laughs) Verse 17, honor everyone. Once again, not honor most people. Honor believers. Honor folks you live with. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. That's believers. Fear God and honor the emperor. Now, this is right out of Scripture. This is verse 17 broken out into four bullet points. It might beg the question of, is the emperor not everyone? (laughs) Didn't we already say honor everyone? Now we're saying honor the emperor again. Let that be a reminder that even in these times, the notion of honoring an emperor that you had no love for was quite difficult. Honor everyone. Oh, everyone, got it. Honor the emperor. Well, hold on a minute. You agree with everyone, but just, you know, well, not the emperor. I mean, the uh, the emperor's obviously evil. We're not going to honor him. You'll notice it doesn't say uh, blindly follow the emperor. Obey in all things the emperor. It says honor the emperor. We hear are lots of calls in the word to honor. Honor your mother and your father. Honor the emperor. Does this mean that anything your mother and your father ask you to do, you do, and you agree with all of it wholeheartedly? As, as somebody who has had a mother and a father? No. <laughs> that's not what it means. I did my best to honor them. But this is something that's going to require us to constantly, you guessed it, go back to God. God, I am struggling with this. I am so frustrated with the emperor. I am so frustrated with my neighbor. I am so frustrated with my wife or my husband or my kids or my boss or my r- direct reports or whatever. How do I honor them? I want just, to just grind them all in the powder that's driving me nuts. And beyond that, Lord, I don't even, I'm so frustrated with my church. I'm so frustrated with the people there and the way they act and treat and their willingness or unwillingness or whatever. Honor them. Seek how to honor them. Pray for forgiveness in the ways you may have participated in this. Love the brotherhood. Care for the, the body of Christ. Nurture. Build up. Fear God. Know that without God, without God, we are doomed. If you think any place on earth is, is not free, just wait till the end of it all when the, ring of, when the, when the lake of fire is fired up for the, 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 and everyone's piling in there. You want to talk about people actually seeing the stuff that we talk about being afraid of God? It's going to be terrifying. But lastly, honor the emperor. Even those in charge. Oh, it's easy to honor everyone. Amen, amen. Love the brotherhood. Oh, amen. I love my church. Fear God. Absolutely. You know, God's changed my life. and everything anyway. And honor the president of the United States. Now, hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. It's always a stopping point. Always is. Honor the emperor. Not my words. God's words. Unless you're a slave, right? So here's where all the, well, the asterisks. You know, I'll do that, but you don't know what my life's like, God. <laughs> How bold we are to ever say this. The answer, wrong. Verse 18, to summarize it briefly here. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, also to the unjust. Not just, well, he's a nice guy. She's a, she's a classy boss. Those are easy. It's easy to be kind and honor somebody who's very, very honor, you know, shows you a lot of honor. They say to get respect, you have to give it. Sort of how honor works in our culture, right? We say it's a, it was a requirement, but the reality is we expect some of this, right? When we honor those who dishonor us, when we honor those that are unjust, this is the embodiment of grace. Christ died for me while I was still a sinner. He honored me while I was wildly unjust. I hated him, and he went to the cross on my behalf in the midst of my hatred. That's the example We may, mindful of God, endure sorrow while suffering unjustly. If you want to talk about like a worldly way for us to kind of calculate a feeling of grace, that's a good one. Yeah, I don't like it. It's not good that this is happening to me and it's unjust. But I'm going to rise above this because God is good all the time. He's in charge. He saw this coming, it's been paid in full. I have nothing to worry about. If I know the truth, and I have to remind myself of the truth, because it's easy to let that slip away in the midst of stuff that's going on here on this earth. But even if I am a slave under an unjust master, I can honor them, be subject to them with all respect, and through that endure sorrow while suffering unjustly, thus embodying grace to that person. They will, we talk about this in a small group, they'll start, things start happening. How can you be so happy? I'm trying to break you. I want to see you broken. Like, I don't think you're going to be able to do it. You can break my body, but I, 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 got, I have something more. I'm, I'm free from all of this. It's all been taken care of. What do you mean? Boy, I tell you, that's the kind of door. What are you talking about? Oh, let me tell you. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. Let me tell you what I mean. Let me tell you why I have joy in the midst of this. If the moment somebody unjust comes up to you, you go to fist fight them. You may never get the chance. They may never ask. You know why? Because everybody in the world will fist fight when it's unjust. The world does this regularly. We're called, if you remember the last couple of sermons, to be holy and set apart. Different. Something different. Why doesn't he retaliate? Why didn't Christ retaliate? He chose not to. But that's the example set for us. And here we see in 1 Peter, there's reason for that. Additionally, and maybe kind of as a bolt-on to that exact statement, is it's very hard to witness through sin. There's kind of an equivocation made here in, in Scripture, where we see suffering due to our sinful behavior is deserved. There's nothing magnanimous or interesting about suffering because you did wrong. If I went into a mall and pushed over a bunch of people and got arrested for assault, and I'm like, well, I'm suffering. Look, they put me in jail because I'm a believer. No, they didn't. They put you in jail because you shoved people over in a mall. You sinned. Anybody that did that would go to jail. You're not any different. That's what happens in the world all the time. There's nothing about that that's gracious or exceptional. Suffering due to our good deeds is gracious. If I'm sitting in a mall and somebody falls down and hurts themselves and I help them up, and if somebody comes up to me and says, Hey, you're not supposed to help people up in the mall, that's a law. I'm making this up, I know it's not a law, but. And I said, i oh, but they there injured. I had to help them. Uh oh. Well, then let's go. We're arresting you. Okay that's fine. Somebody came up to me, they saw the cross on my neck and say, are you a Christian? I said, yes. What does that mean? And I told them and they arrest me because I'm not supposed to talk about that. Fine. Cuff me, I'll go. You're not going to fight. He'll resist. Oh, I will not resist. No, no, no. Now that's an extreme circumstance. Why is that not relatable here in America? Because in America, we're free. I can't be arrested for talking about Christ. We sit in a building in America. There's no threat of the government kicking the door in and telling us not to. So this is easy. I'm not really oppressed, but if I were oppressed, I would get a chance to exercise this. If you've ever heard tales of missionaries in different areas that have suffered unjustly and unbelievable things happen from that, this is why. People notice. 200 folks were arrested for this behavior. 195 of them got in a fight and threw a fit. Five of them went smiling and singing. What's up with those five? Ah, That's what I expected. I expected people to throw bottles and Carry on, but these five didn't do that. I want, uh, what's going on with these five? Oh, those are the Christians, you know, they said it's fine. (laughs) You believe that? Said it was fine that we arrested them. I want to know more about that. Suffering without doing anything wrong builds endurance. I have no endurance in the faith in this regard because I don't know that I've ever suffered for my faith in this regard, personally. Not done it. I couldn't preach to somebody in another country and say, oh, stand fast for the cause of Christ. I can tell you you should, but I can't tell you how to do it because I've never had to deal with it. But when our good deeds cause suffering and we we accept that suffering, we submit to those that are are causing us suffering, we show them grace. And as we do that more and more, we build endurance. This is not my idea. This is right here in, in the Word. But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. What credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? You have to. But I, I don't know how to. Let's go back and read it again. Suffering has come. Read it again. I don't know what to do. Read it again. Okay, all I know is that if I do good and I suffer for it, and I endure, that's a gracious thing. God, help me endure. Will God help you endure? Yes, he will. Absolutely will. Absolutely, unequivocally will. Will you endure? Can't say. Will God help you? Yes. <laughs> yes, he will. Now, you might be thinking, easy for Peter to say, but I'm really suffering. I'll reiterate here, we have suffered nothing compared to Christ. Nothing. It's, it, there's no measurement here. If you take Christ's suffering on one side and all the suffering of everything I could ever endure on the other, it's immeasurable. It may as well be zero. Christ suffered the wrath of mankind's sin, having committed no sin. We follow as best we are able with the Holy Spirit in the footsteps of Christ. The things that Christ did, the things that Christ taught, the the prophecy that he fulfilled, the law that he fulfilled... The the other every other book after Christ's uh, death, burial, and resurrection is talking to us about what Christ is today. He is alive today. He is on our side. He is interceding for us at the right hand of the Father. He has not given up. He hasn't paid the debt and gone away and we're waiting to die. We've got work to do. If our work causes suffering, so be it. The world's not being fair. So be it. Christ is still Christ. And no matter what comes upon us, no matter how things take a turn, for the better, for the worse, there's nothing that we are going to endure that Christ has not endured. Now, this would be my but I'm not Christ. You've said it before, right? I can't just do all the things Jesus did. That's true. You're not Christ. <laughs> Neither am I. But we emulate as best we can the grace and humility modeled by our Savior. I will falter. I am not capable of being crucified and through my death saving all of humanity. Thankfully, I don't have to. It's already been done. But I've I've already blew it. I've committed sin. I've probably sinned 40 or 50 times today. Little things, little lacks of humility and thinking I know better and that's silly or that's stupid and I'm judging. It's all the time, constantly repenting, constantly trying. But I'll tell you this, as best I can, Modeling the grace and humility of Christ will has changed me and will change you. The Holy Spirit works through this. We do get some choices. It's very mysterious how all this works. But Christ suffered willingly. He did not retaliate against or revile his captors. Hmm. There's a lot of these things in the Bible. Words, little little words that like you can easily gloss over. Like uh Adultery, well, that's if you're married and you sleep with another person. And then Christ will say, even if you did that in your heart, you did it. Like, wait, wait, wait Wait a minute, wait, wait, you can't really count that, right? I mean, it wasn't in my heart, I just thought about it. Like, that's something between you and the Holy Spirit. But that changes the equation. Now it's not just about works. Now it's about your heart and your mind. You're actively participating in sin, even though maybe you're not committing sin. That's what we see here. He did not retaliate against. That's easy. Get your hands off me. Peter, get that sword back out. Let's go. No, no, no. Put it away. He didn't retaliate. Well, good for him, but I bet he wanted to. No. He didn't revile them either. He was at peace with his captors. He suffered willingly. What blows my mind, church, there's something deep within me as a as a human being or an American or something that makes me want to revolt. I do not want to suffer. I have the capability to fix it. I shall do so. What we see here is careful. There are things you can do that that would steer clear of retaliation or reviling, especially in a place like America. We get to participate in our government. We get to elect our leaders. But we should be approaching the notion of election with great humility, but at the same time, great peace. Because there's a leader that is going to serve in perpetuity, that cannot be removed from power. And that is God. He is in control. He is the perennial leader of all things. He's created everything. And when Christ comes back, it says the governments will be on His shoulders. All of them, good, bad, or otherwise, will 100% be beholden to Christ. These sorts of things should go through our head and say, yeah, it's probably not worth it. If I'm suffering for the cause of Christ, great. Great. I'll do what needs done. God, give me strength. Give me the opportunity to share. Give me the words. Give me the peace and the understanding and the eloquence to communicate clearly the truth of you and what your Son did. Christ knew something that we should know by now. Now, the Jews at this time, this time in, in Peter, but the Jews of old, they didn't know Christ. They didn't have that benefit. But Christ knows something when He's here. He's praying to the Father all the time, all the way into the garden. Not my will, but yours be done, right? God's people will not be abandoned. They will not be abandoned. Also, we see God's judgment is just and proper in perfect time. Those two things might at times in our life feel very much at odds. The, The nightmare I'm going through right now, God, I feel like I've been abandoned. I feel like I'm going it alone. I'm in a desert place. I'm sure everybody's heard this kind of stuff. And I don't, I don't feel very spiritual. I don't feel very connected to the Lord. I must have been abandoned. Believers, that's a lie. That's you and Satan, your brain and Satan working together to make you think that maybe I've ballooned. Maybe I don't even know. I don't even know anymore. The reality is, in our world, we equate happiness to salvation, we equate happiness to salvation. Are you feeling good? Are you feeling blessed today? Amen, amen. Are you happy? Are you healthy? Are you wealthy? Yes. Then you're saved. Now, we don't say that as much because it's a little on the nose, but that's really what we're kind of teaching a lot of times. When are you depressed, you need to pray. you sick, pray. You're far from God. That's why bad things are happening to you. When we read the scripture, we see people clearly in the palm of God getting flayed to death. Were they away from God? Did God abandon them? No. His judgment is just and proper. It's in perfect time, and yet they're not abandoned. What is going on? The reality is we do well to remember Christ's actions. If God is in control, and we are following the Word of God, and we are doing what God has called us to do, and things, the the world is steering us here, we're unjustly suffering here and there and otherwise, then let us pray for endurance. Let us pray for endurance and endure let us go to our cross. Let us be nailed to it and bleed out. Why? Because God said, I've not been abandoned. His judgment is just and proper. I have prayed for this to go away. But He I said, not, not my will but yours be done. And here I sit, and He is sovereign. Then I'm gonna sing His praise as I die. The American dream. Never gonna hear that talked about. That's not what we want in America. We've already fixed all this. We want to fix we 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 were free. We don't have to be beholden to this. We don't have to submit to anything anymore. Not true. We do well to remember Christ's action, but we do better to remember the reason for them. Why did Christ go to the cross? Why did he submit? To save us? Sure. But that's not the, 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 the prime reason. The prime reason is to glorify God the Father. God said, these folks will be saved. I'm giving them to you to save. You will judge them. And Christ said, it's fine, I'll go to the cross for them. I'll buy them all with my blood. And God said, Sounds good. That's the plan. When well, they decided on that, by the way, before we could talk about the time of, of the, the measurement of time, it's always to glorify God. No matter what we deal with, no matter where we are, no matter how it's going, no matter who's elected or who's not elected, we will not be abandoned. His judgment is just and proper. We remember what Christ did and we remember why he did it. Those things give us the ability to make it through another minute, another hour, another day, another week, another year until God calls us home or incinerates this cursed ball of earth. But also the flip side here is Christ's example. What he did, setting for us an example of endurance, is also what saves us. The things that we're talking about doing, the reason we want to do it is because Christ has brought us back to God. He bore our sins that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds we have been healed. Has anybody ever heard that before? <laughs> Cited a lot, it's in songs. There's a depth there that is incredible. By his wounds we have been healed. Physically healed? No. Nope. Christ has come and died, and we may die on this earth of cancer, we might die of getting hit by a bus. That's not the healing that's being talked about here. Could be could be that God could take any infirmity away from anybody that he wants. He's God, and he'll work how he chooses to work in that regard. But the healing here is an eternal healing of the soul. Our mending of a relationship with an eternal, sovereign, all-knowing, all-powerful, sinless, perfect God. That relationship was ruined by us. Christ's wounds healed that. We were straying like sheep that have been found. We are returned to our shepherd and overseer. Well, those two words, I tell you, they give me chills. We talk about the Lord is my shepherd. Has been saying that since I'm a little kid, you know, memorizing scripture and get my lollipop or whatever. But overseer, well, you don't hear that one talked about very often. You know why? Because we don't want to submit to God. I like the idea that he's shepherding but you know, a sheep can get a mind of its own, go wander and off for a while. A shepherd will come get me. But if we think of God as an overseer, well, that's a little bit different than Shepherd. It feels a little bit more active. Well, guess what? He is active. He's here now, he's everywhere at all times. He knows how it all goes. He is my overseer. I'm thankful that he is that. I'm thankful that I'll be rebuked and corrected, and disciplined, as required by God. Maybe through his people, maybe through divine, you know, just a miracle of life. Maybe through studying the word, I get convicted, and I think i got to change something about me. But he is overseeing my life. But to do that, I want to submit. I need to submit to God. And then when I say, God, that's it, I'm going to submit to you. Christ, I believe, he died for my sins. I want him to be my savior. God says, That's great. Well, now what? I said, well, I, I, I need to submit to you. God, I want to live like you. Great. Okay, how, how do I do that? Get into the Word. Meet with people. They'll tell. You. Okay, great. Now, let's talk about how I'm going to start submitting to God. Great. One of the things I'll do is read the Word, and I read the Word, and it says, submit to the Word around me. And I say, wait a minute. The world's a mess. Why would I submit to them? God says, because I told you to. You would not be saved if my son didn't do that very thing. So now I want you to do it. And the world will see that, just like the world saw Christ, and lives will be changed. Final four foci. Foci, that's plural for focuses. I almost had focuses, but I went back with foci. It's kind of a, you maybe learn a new word today. But the final four foci. Submit yourself to the world for God. The last two words in all of these are really important. We don't just submit ourselves to the world. Check. We do it for God. We do good in the world through God. Now, I know, you could, you, we could argue, could you really do good in the world without God? That's fair. That's why the point is being made here. You might think you're doing good, but if you're not doing it through God, through the Holy Spirit, it's not going to be any good. Number three, remember our perfect example by God, and then rejoice in eternity with God. Amen. Submit yourself to the world for God. Now, we've talked a lot about submission. This doesn't mean anything goes. If the world asks you to uh, slaughter a group of people because they are dissidents or we're going to rape a bunch of people in order to promulgate our, our country or whatever, no. This is against the word of God. We politely decline, and we may suffer for that. Not anything goes. God's Word is paramount. But if God's Word is not clear, if God's Word does not forbid it, and the government compels you to do it, do it. Do it. You may not like what's happening up there, but the second bullet here is what it boils down to. Either we do or do not submit to the Word. The world? Sure. Word? Ah. Hey. 1 Peter 2, verse 13. Be subject to the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and praise those who do good. If I do not submit to the word, then I do not submit to the word. I am ignoring that. That's not a place to be, church. Now, I'm not saying this is going to be easy. What we read here may seem difficult. It may seem impossible. But I'll tell you this. Either we will submit to it or we will not. And someone maybe has got a pencil like Are you going to tell us how to do it? Just tell us how to do it. How do I submit to something that I disagree with, almost deep within my soul? I hate it so much. It's wrong. I know it's wrong. We're heading the wrong way, and, and bad decisions are being compounded with more bad decisions. And you're just saying to submit to an I don't know how. I don't know how either. There is no simple solution for this. I'm not going to say be an automaton and nod your head. Yes, absolutely. Whatever you say, good. We need to be thoughtful. We need to know the Word of God. But we need to interact with people in caring ways. Submission is not always just saying yes and going. Submission might be a conversation ending with, but I'm still going to do it. Submission might be you vote, you lose. You carry on with your life. The joy of the Lord transcends all this. That's submission too. You come back four years later, you try it again. Am I talking about the presidential election? Yes, I am. I can't believe how many people are losing their minds. Believers that claim that God is sovereign and supreme and think that if someone else is elected, we're all going to die. It's all over. That's not true. There will be nobody elected that can thwart God from the throne. Nobody. So as Christians, believe that, know that. We either do or do not submit to the word. When we submit to the world, we do it for God, not for gain, right? If my person gets elected and my, it's all going my way, well, I'm going to submit to the world now. I, I agree, everybody. We did it. Handshakes all around. That's for me. That's not for God. Do it for God. Either we will submit to it or we will not. Either we will submit to the word or we will not. Secondly, do good in the world through God. If we act badly, we deserve to suffer as anyone would. Mention mentioned this earlier. Right? You commit crimes. You knew it's a crime. Yeah. To prison you go, rightfully. Just like everyone else in the world. There's nothing holy about this. You might think that you're special because you're a Christian, but anybody would have suffered that. This is the reason for submission to the world. If we submit ourselves to the world, even with things that aren't just or we don't, or we don't agree with, we, give a, we, give, we have an opportunity to show the world that there's more to it than the worldly fight. I thought you didn't like this. I don't. But, you know, I have an opportunity maybe to, to, to be a, an example. Somebody that's going through this that you know doesn't agree with it, but I'm still doing it. That's a good conversation. Sorry. Why are you doing it? There's that door open. How can you do this? We're talking, why do you have so much joy? How are you not frustrated? Let me tell you how. Because I serve a king that's going to watch all this get wiped away one day right? I, that's what it boils down to. I don't care what happens here. It's not going to affect my salvation. My eternity is not in jeopardy by any decision made here. We ought to be living like that. We honor those we can, but we must fear God. We, we, and, and, and this is the other side of that pendulum. It's easy to submit to those that you agree with. But if we, if we submit blindly to those that we think we agree with, has anybody ever thought somebody was a uh, really good person. This happens a lot in politics or maybe celebrity life, because we only get to see a small section of their reality. But they seem like a really good person. They got it all together. Really just a wonderful example. And then one day you found out that they've had like 15 affairs on the side and a whole bunch of kids or something. And you're like, oh my gosh. I mean, I've talked this idiot up for 10 years. And now this... If you submit to people you agree with with the same mindset as you submit to the people that you don't agree with, you never have that problem. They were the leader. I submitted to them because they were the leader. They were in charge of the church. I submitted to them. When I found out they did terrible things, my heart is broken, yes. But it doesn't change my viewpoint. God is who I was serving from the get-go. Not them. I was never beholden to the President of the United States or to my congressman. It's always been God. Whether I agree or disagree with them, it's the same submission approach. You are in charge. God has put you there. I will serve you. Until God derails you or derails me or whatever. But if we suffer because we do what is right, then we show grace. That's where it comes from. The grace shown to us is through the suffering of Christ. Mercy says he didn't have to punish us. Grace is getting something we didn't deserve. I don't deserve eternal life. I I blew it. But it's given to me because of the suffering of Christ. When we do good in the world and we do it through God... We have an opportunity to do the same thing. Show the world at large grace. Not just individuals, but at large. When people interview or talk or write an article or whatever, and people are scratching their heads trying to figure out what's going on with this. How can they be that way? This is why. Because of God. And then to bring a brass tacks here, remember our perfect example by God. Jesus set a bar so high we can never reach it. Praise God, we will never have to. I cannot tell you on those times when I get beat up in the world about I'm blowing it and I'm screwing it up and I don't think I can come back home after this. And you go and you read the word and you realize this is not a surprise to God. You know, knew every breath I would take every day of my life, all the sins, all the repentance, all the struggles to repentance, all the lack of submission, all the ease of submission, all the feigned submission. If you know me very well, it's easy for me to pretend. I'm very good at feigning submission, but if I get into a quiet room and somebody give me a truth serum, you would hear... Not submission. Not submission. Oh, I'm, I'm, but I'm oh yeah, oh absolutely, absolutely right. But I'm looking for an angle. Get you out of there. You got no business being here. There's not what we're called to do, church. It's not what I'm called to do. Christ didn't look for an angle. Christ didn't die because he couldn't figure out a better solution or time ran out. It was the plan. God is sovereign. Do we get to make decisions and choices? Yes, we do. But let us not be dishonest or disingenuous. We should be mindful that unjust suffering comes that Christ has been there. If we are suffering and it's not fair or right, Christ did it too. A billion, trillion, infinite fold. Our Savior and our God will see us through. Christ set a bar so high that we can never achieve it. We've got to make peace with that. We'll screw it up. But the good news is we're not called to achieve that. We are not called to, to go to our cross and suffer and die for the, the salvation of everybody. That's not our calling. Our call is to tell the good news of that act. And so the best thing, all this, what we see, these examples are just the best way, the godliest way for us to be able to do that. And the last bullet there is God will see us through. See us through today and tomorrow. See us through the, 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 the difficult meeting with our boss, the the taxes that are crippling us financially. All of these things God will see us through. And why? Rejoice in eternity with God. There's a saying, keep your fork, there's something better coming. Anybody ever heard that? Mm -hmm. I heard it from my mother-in-law ages ago, and I loved it. I love the idea after your meal, keep your fork, there's something better coming, and it's dessert. Well, this is the reason we bother. I'm not talking about dessert. I mean, dessert's a pretty good reason, but that's not the, what I'm preaching about here. I'm talking about eternity, right? When we talk about keeping our fork, the fork is, you know, our best efforts or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep going. Keep trying. Word of God, let's go. Whatever, whatever we've got, whatever tools we've been equipped with, keep trucking. But there's something better. No matter what, no matter how good life is here, there's something better. Well, I'm on Easy Street. I'm on a gravy train with biscuit wheels. Man, I love life, and I love God, and everything's awesome. Well... There's something better. Something better. This is why we do this. When we give God the glory, it's because we know someday we're going to get to spend forever with Him, and that's all that's going to matter. It's a little bit of lip service now, I'll be honest with you. It it is. There's no two ways about it. I can't bucket up something that looks like glory, and we throw it in the sky, and God absorbs it. It's what we're going to talk about. We're going to do our best with the help of the Holy Spirit, of course, the power of the Word of God. And we're giving God glory. Great things are happening in our lives. That goes to God as well. Why? Because he's sovereign. He's orchestrated all this. I don't know why I'm being blessed. But you're suffering. I don't get it either. But I can't believe I've still got joy. This too shall pass. There's all these wonderful things in Scripture to encourage us to keep on going. But we've got to know that this world will pass away. It will go away. Whatever you're going through right now, two things for sure. It will end. And Christ did it. I don't care what it is. I don't care what it is. Christ suffered that. You know how I know that? Well, he was a. a... I heard this talk about, sadly, a miscarriage. Well, Christ never endured a miscarriage. Yes, he did. On the cross. The hatred and the feeling, the sin of the world, the fallen nature of all that. He saw it. He endured it. He paid for it. The wrath of God doesn't compare to anything we can suffer on this earth. If you're going through it, it will end, and Christ has already endured it. Know that. You have an advocate that has literally been there. And this too shall pass. Well, this issue? Yes. with this church service? Yes. That parking lot, the building, the earth, everything we know, time and space? Sure. I, all of it will pass. Why? Because God is God. And he said so. And finally, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I don't know about anybody else, but sometimes I just want to grab people and shake them. I'm like, how can you not? I mean, it's so obvious that the Bible's true. It's so obvious. How do you not? And you just want to, gr- I just come on. Be honest. You're just fighting it so hard. Why do I say that? Because I remember being there. And I remember we talked about this, you know, 40 years or 10 years or 15 years lost or whatever. You want to go back and be like, man, 40 years of suffering. I could have had 40 years of peace or maybe 38 or 35. I don't know. But like, what? come know the truth. Stop suffering. Know that one day every knee will bow. Every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Does that mean everybody will be saved, sadly? No. But they're going to know. Yep. That's Lord. Boom. I dislike him. Send me to hell. But I can't argue. But that's Lord. Let us not be that group. What about us? What parts of the world am I willing to submi- unwilling to submit to? If your answer to that is nothing, I love, I love where I am, I live here, I'm a visitor, i willingly submit to all these things, I may disagree with them, I'm happy to communicate that, but at the end of the day I submit to them, that is fantastic. Please come to our small group and talk to us about how you're doing this with the help of the Holy Spirit, <laughs> because this is very, very difficult stuff. Sometimes it's going to be easy, sometimes it's going to be hard. The folks that have lived longer lives, young people, speak to them about this. You probably think you've had to deal with a pretty terrible boss at Burger King. And if I get over to Taco Bell, well, that's, that's easy street over there. No, guess what? All the fast food bosses stink, right? It's, but that's, that's, not, that's not a problem. That's the way that it is. But after someone's been around for 30, 40, 50, 60 years, they've seen a lot of good. They've seen a lot of bad. And hopefully and prayerfully, they've leaned on their word more times than not. and been able to say, well, here's, here's a couple passages that I leaned on when I was going through this. When, the, you know, hey, back in the you know late 70s, the government was frustrating too. Here's what we talked about. Here's what we prayed about. And then things changed. But you know what never changed? God. Christ's work on the cross. It's always been the same. Amen. Number two, how can I emulate Christ, especially to those I submit to? That question sort of answers the how maybe of the first part. I don't know how to submit, well, let me think about how I might emulate Christ of those that I would submit to. Oh, well, maybe that's a little bit easier. Well, I certainly can't go in there guns blazing. That's not a very good witness. You should probably go in there with some humility, some compassion. Number three, how can we as a church grow in submission? It may seem like an antithetical idea we're going to grow in submission, like submitting is less than, but I can tell you Uh, as someone that's married and and submitting to one another and learning to submit to Christ in the real world, you can grow in this. You can learn how to submit a cadence to this that's meaningful and useful to you and others. And people will notice that you, it's not blind, but it's something that I've grown into. I understand submission. I understand that while we disagree, I'm going to submit. I can talk about my disagreement, but I can't talk about my lack of submission. Why? Because I'm called to do it. Maybe be difficult, but I'm going to do it. And lastly, how can I center my life on the finished work of Christ? You might want to move that to the top, perhaps. Um, but the, 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 the notion is without, without Christ being at the center of my life, I'll never grow in submission. And if I'm unwilling to submit, I will never emulate Christ because I'll be failing at my submission, and there's just going to be an ever-growing list of things in the world that I'm unwilling to submit to. Submitting to things on my terms is not submission at all. That's governance. That's my choice. Submission is saying, God said, I do. It's difficult. And to square that up, I might need to spend some time researching in the Word. But I pray that that's something that we do. Pray with me, please. Heavenly Father, I thank you for these challenging passages, challenging for me personally. Lord, you know I struggle with submission. I know I'm right, always right. Everybody else is wrong, or they don't get it, Lord. That's just, it's a nightmare for me and I struggle every day, Lord. I pray for me that you'll break that down. Help me to submit, not just to go through the motions or look like I'm submitting, but to actually inside my heart to obey your word and submit, to trust you as a sovereign God, Lord. And I pray as a church, if anyone else is hearing this and thinking, well, this isn't, a, this, I don't like the sound of this and I got problems with this and this is a wild misinterpretation, Lord, help reach out. Lord, lead them to reach out so that we can have a conversation about where I went wrong in their eyes, about where the word of God needs to be uh, reevaluated. But Lord, when we read these passages and we find them challenging to us, it's probably because we have something in our lives that needs to be dealt with by you. And Lord, I pray you begin that process in each of us today. To your sons' name, I pray.